You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hi, welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news, the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. No Nick Luck today, Tom Stanley in for him. The Scottish Nationalist just around the corner will be talking about that with trainer Sandy Thompson, who has two live chances in the race. We will be looking ahead to the, the flat season as well, a chance in either guineas for trainer David Lochnane looks likely at this stage. We will hear from Gay Kellaway, who is off to the Polish border in 11 days time. She talks about her reasons specifically for for heading there. But um, we first of all start with the news from yesterday that Robbie Dunn has had his ban reduced at appeal. The man following the, the case and indeed the appeal yesterday very closely, senior writer from the Racing Post, Lee Mottishead. Lee joins me now and uh, Lee, you've, you've written an article in the Racing Post. I, I suppose the thing that really struck me from that piece is not just your um, disappointment at the the reduction of the ban, but more significantly, perhaps your uh, disappointment in the the manner in which the appeal was conducted. Yes, Tom. I think it was um, an unfortunate um, affair from from start to finish in many ways. Uh, I do regret the decision to reduce Robbie Dunn's suspension, as you say. It went gone from 18 months, three of which were suspended, to 10 months, which is a significant period of time. But I did think it was surprising that Anthony Boswood QC, the, the chair of the appeals board, described that sanction as very severe during the, uh, the course of the hearing and in his summation. And I was surprised that they took the view that two items of mitigation, which we'll come on to later, were sufficient to reduce that, or were significant factors in reducing that to to 10 months. I think had Robbie Dunn showed very obvious contrition, perhaps even public contrition, then there might have been a reasonable argument for revisiting the amount of time that he served. But at the original hearing, uh, at the end of that, Brian Barker, who chaired that panel, took the view that there had been very little contrition showed by, by Robbie Dunn. So I thought the, the decision to reduce his penalty was surprising and questionable. But as I say, I, I think the whole tone of the appeal was questionable. Um, I think for a start, it seemed a little bit unfortunate to be watching a room of nine men uh, debating uh, the bullying case that centred on a young lady. Um, I thought that wasn't a great image for the sport. But then what took place within the hearing, um, I also found uncomfortable. It seemed pretty obvious from an early stage that Anthony Boswood, say the the appeals board chair, had misgivings about the decision taken by the original uh, independent disciplinary panel um, in their hearing in December. He made clear he wasn't comfortable with the fact that uh, Robbie Dunn had been found guilty under two separate rules, one relating to racecourse behaviour and one uh, in relation to bringing the sport into disrepute. So he had structural, legal, if you like, issues 
with the the the, the independent disciplinary panels permission and the the BHA uh, approach of the case, if you like. So that that was that was one thing. But I think as the as the day went on, and we heard from Robin Matthew QC, who is a a former permit holder who wasn't involved in the original hearing, but then wrote a letter to the Racing Post in which he expressed his concern at the, the punishment given to Robbie Dunn. He was then brought on board to, to Robbie Dunn's team and he led the, the case for the defence, if you like. And I thought some of what he said during his, um, his address, if you like, to the panel was unfortunate. Now, yes, he is doing his job. Um, so his, his job there was to, to mount Robbie Dunn's case. But I still thought it was uh, a great shame that he described Dunn's conduct towards Frost as reprehensible but not intolerable. Remember that Robbie Dunn was found guilty of bullying by the, the initial panel. This panel also didn't change the fact that they believed he was guilty of a very bad behaviour indeed. The PGA eventually agreed as well that he had been guilty of bullying. So I thought it was a shame that, that Dunn's conduct was described as reprehensible but not intolerable. Um, I thought it was a shame that he believed that the initial panel should have been more minded to give weight to the, the fact that jockeys and valets around um, the, the bullying incidents hadn't been more vocal in their criticism of Robbie Dunn, given that one of Bryony Frost's allegations to all this has been that she has been ostracized by the weigh room. So I thought that was a questionable tactic. I thought it was a shame that he argued that a tweet posted by Robbie Dunn about Bryony Frost in relation to the virtual Grand National uh, of the COVID year would have been let go by most people. And he even, question, even sort of argued that uh, when he trained a, a 50 to winner at Toaster, the, the abuse he received on Twitter was worse than what Bryony Frost had been feeling. And when he came to the end of that set of arguments, he said, we set out a number of reasons why it is clear in our submission that distress or fear was not caused. Thankfully, at this point, Louis Weston, who was the barrister representing the, the BHA yesterday, as he had been at the initial appeal, made the excellent point that it is not for the bully to determine to the bullied how they should react to being bullied. That then uh, was followed by his view that that was an outrageous suggestion on behalf of Mr. Dunn. And I thought it was surprising that Anthony Boswell QC sought from Weston to temper his language um, and say that it was unacceptable, not outrageous. And actually that also took me back to an exchange earlier in proceedings, Tom, where, where Boswell had challenged uh, Louis Weston's assertion that the language that Robbie Dunn had used at times in relation to Brian Frost, and that's been well documented, it can't really be repeated on a, on a podcast like this. He questioned uh, Louis Weston's assertion that, that that sort of language was always going to be wrong in the workplace. Boswood seemed to suggest that there might be occasions when it might be deemed acceptable. I thought that was uh, a great shame. The tone then of the whole hearing um, as it went on, felt very different to the tone of the initial hearing. Um, the initial hearing had a very grave and sombre tone as befitting the, the occasion. This didn't quite feel like it. I, I, I likened it in, my, in the, the piece I wrote for the Raising Post to saying it almost felt at times like we're in a, 
a scene in a London Gentlemen's Members Club. Um, there were times one, one almost thought they might pour themselves a brandy and light a cigar. Um, there was a point at which Robin Matthew, uh, when, when addressing Anthony Boswood, uh, they were talking about issues at the start of a race. And he said, I was certainly never allowed on the inside of you, even if I had the courage to go there, seemingly harking back to a point when they must have ridden together. And that sort of tone, I thought, didn't feel right for the the occasion that we were we were covering that we were with that was taking place and i also thought the tone of the final summation given by anthony boswood was regrettable um he was doing his job and it was completely at his um at his will and the the the, the, the one of the three members of the panel to come to whatever decision they did but there were times when i felt that the tone he struck was not as um, befitting the occasion as the one that Brian Barker had struck three months earlier. There was a point when uh, Robin Matthew, I thought disgracefully described what had taken place as a spat between Robbie Dunn and Bryony Frost. Anthony Boswood came back to him and suggested that quarrel might be a more fitting term. Well, quarrel wouldn't be a more fitting term. If someone is being bullied, they are not subjected to a quarrel. And then in his summation, he said that there were items of mitigation that were not considered by the initial disciplinary panel that probably should have been and which were reflected in the current panel's decision to reduce the penalty. One of them, he said, was Dunn's readiness to participate in a banging of heads together. Now, that I thought was a, a, an extremely regrettable uh, use of language. If someone has been bullied, um, there is absolutely no reason why they should participate in a banging of heads together. And the very term, a banging of heads together, suggests that there is some sort of culpability on the part of the individual who has been bullied. That is not the case in a bullying instance. Um, and he also described, the, the, he said that, uh, that Robbie Dunn deserved mitigation for being prepared to participate in that sort of incident. Well, quite why someone should be rewarded uh, a bully for being prepared to participate in a conversation with the victim of the bullying again for me was hard to fathom so i thought the reasons given for uh, reducing robbie dunn's penalty uh, were as i say highly questionable not those not reasons that i could uh, agree with at all but i thought the whole general tone of this appeal was extremely unfortunate, um, not one that I think will be remembered as a great moment in the, the sports um, uh, integrity, uh, integrity move in, in the sports regulation. I thought it was a great shame on, on many ways. And I think it clearly raises questions because um, the whole point of the, one of the great points of the, the, the first hearing was that you could argue it sent out a signal it sent out a signal to, to people who might now or in future be in a similar situation to Briony Frost. It sent out the signal that the, the governing body, the regulator, um, believes that individuals who commit that sort of behavior, who, who, who bully individuals, should be treated um, with, with great severity as, as, that, as they deserve to be treated. Um, I thought the fact that this appeals board believed that that initial punishment was very severe and reduce it, reduced it sends out a 
difficult signal um, for people like that in the future. And I don't think it's one that the BHA um, will be happy about at all because it seems to fly in the face of the the moves that they have been making in terms of this 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 uh, this this wider subject of trying to uh, improve behaviour among participants in the sport where there are issues. Clearly, there are not there are not wholesale issues. Most people get on with each other very well indeed. Generally speaking, weighing room culture is excellent, and most people get on with it with each other. But there are instances where that won't be the case, and I think for people who are at the centre of such instances, they will see what happened yesterday and they may potentially just be a little bit more reluctant to put their hands up and say, I've got a problem. When it comes to uh, assessing winners and losers in this, or winner and loser in this, I think you know, that's, that's often what we look to do when we have a, a case like this. Can you can you find either party as a winner or loser in this instance, Lee? Uh, no, I don't think you can, Tom, no. I mean, Robbie Dunn will presumably have gone to bed last night pleased that his, his suspension has been reduced and that he can now come back early in October. So for him, in, in that sense, it was, you could argue, a good day yesterday, but equally it was still a day that ended with a second panel having agreed that he was guilty of uh, bullying and extremely bad behaviour. So his reputation certainly wasn't enhanced by what happened yesterday. Um, Bryony Frost certainly wouldn't, I don't think, have been happy to see that the perpetrator of the bullying had his penalty quite significantly reduced yesterday. And I think for the BHA, it was a bad day. Because, as I say, the, the, the BHA had, had sought to uh, impose upon Robbie Dunn a significant penalty. Now, you can argue that 10 months still is a significant penalty. But, as I say, the signal that was sent out from this appeal board hearing yesterday is not one, I think, that the BHA will delight. And, as I say, the BHA's barrister, Louis Weston, was seeking to have the the current the the the, the 18 month penalty um maintained so I, I, I don't think anybody can look back on what happened as um any sort of great success really and as i said in in, in the piece i thought it was a a sorry end to a, a sorry affair and, and one that does not paint the sport in a very good light there's one last point i'll, I'll just make on on this tom when, when robin matthew qc wrote that letter to the racing post um, he argued that one of the, the problems with the initial hearing was that the three members of the panel had no direct experience of race riding. They hadn't been involved in the sport in that sense. Uh, they didn't have that familiarity with the weighing room or the race course. And he argued that the panel and the people involved should have had more experience. Well, we had people yesterday that had more experience. And I would argue that what it showed is that there are occasions when outside eyes and a different sort of perspective is needed. Because if this was an example of, if you like, in inverted commas, racing people coming to a decision on this, I don't think it reflects particularly well on racing people. I think the other thing that's potentially significantly is, is the timing of 
the the ban and, and when it's set to stop October the 9th, which ties in with the start of the jump season proper. So as fans are gearing up for the start of the jump season, Robbie Dunn will be back race riding. Bryony Frost will still be race riding. They, they may well be riding on, on the same track around that time together. How do you think, uh, first of all, given what you've seen with the, the reception that Bryony Frost has got, that, that Robbie Dunn might be received? And also, how do you... Do you see her future panning out? I think it's notable that this season she will have had fewer rides of whatever there is that there may be um, with regard to that than, than she has in, in the last couple of seasons. How do you see that playing out? Well, if I can start with, with Bryony's situation, um, Tom, it is the case that she has been noticeably less busy since um, this all became a public story. Um, there are rides for um, a few odd trainers here and there, but largely Bryony's support has come from her main yard of Paul Nichols and that of Lucy Wadham, who, like Paul, has been a regular and constant support to Bryony over many years. Now, it's entirely possible that given everything that has gone on, that Bryony is largely looking just to ride for those two trainers in the main whilst picking up a few spares here and there. And it might be that she feels more comfortable simply riding at the moment for Paul Nichols and Lucy Wadham. But even if that was the case, it's presumably reflective of her understanding of the wider situation and how she has been received by some racing professionals for having spoken out about what has taken place so even if as i say it's the case that bridie is voluntarily reducing the number of rides that she, yards that she, she rides for it's still reflective as i say of the wider situation and how she has been received i think when robbie dunn returns in october you will almost certainly see a groundswell of support from owners and trainers for him who will be keen to use him just as they were keen to use him uh, towards the end of the point when he was riding um, pr prior to his his suspension. There was, again, uh, he was riding for yards with which he wasn't particularly associated. And that, I think, was noticeable. And whilst I don't think anybody would say that Robbie Dunn uh, should be um, victimised when he returns, that certainly shouldn't be the case. When he returns, he will have served his penalty and he will be completely uh, at liberty to resume his career and he will merit support as would any other jockey. But I think it is noticeable when you look in general terms at the, the, the commentary that some participants have given on this and the, the, the wider support or not that the individuals have received that there does appear to have been more support from within the active racing community. Those who do the, could take part in the sport for a living, there has been more active support for Robbie Dunn than for Bryony Frost. And I think those looking outside uh, of the sport, into the sport, and many of us inside the sport, will find that quite perplexing. Okay, big weekend in Scotland this weekend, of course. It's the Coral Scottish National. And trainer Sandy Thompson, who 
Saddled the, the second and the fourth home last year, has declared two for the race in the form of the Ferrymaster and Hill 16. Sandy joins me now. Sandy, which of the two has the, the best chance, do you think? You would have to say the, the Ferrymaster has, has a great chance. You know, he, he's five pounds less than he was last year. Ran a great race and, um, yeah, it just maybe didn't pan out for him quite right the race. Um, he's going to get a pair of blinkers. Um, you know, when you saw him at, at, at Newcastle, he, he, he won everywhere by the line and, and maybe just sort of thought he'd done enough. So, yeah, I think really, really pleased with him. I mean, Hill 16's obviously had a great season. Um, but just the nine pounds he got for being second the other day to Nutswell is is, is going to. I mean, it looks like you know he's going to go up nearly top weight, so it, that's going to be a big ask. Se- second and fourth last year um, is. I suppose. Look, you must have been very proud, but it's it's not ideal in a in a race like the Scottish National, is it? What what were your emotions after that? Yeah, just obviously, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. But always delighted when horses run well. But uh, yeah, frustration that you didn't quite get over the line. Yeah. Um, on on the ferry master last year, was there was there a point where you where you thought he or, or Dingo Dollar were going to go on and, and win the race, or were you always did you always have an eye on Mighty Thunder, thinking it's going to he's going to get us? No, I mean I thought I thought you know Dingo Dollar, I thought you know was going to go and win the race, and, and, and then just just sort of tied up close home and. He, you know, Mighty Thunder looked beaten sort of three, three out and just, and, just, and just stayed on. Um, you know, the Ferrymaster just probably got there a bit bit soon um, and, and, and just sort of petered out. He hadn't had a brilliant preparation, but, uh, you know, I was still, still delighted how he, how he ran and how he coped with it because it's, you know, it, it's always quite a rough race and, and uh, yeah, no, he was, he, was, he was really good. He's had a better preparation, has he, this year after after his wind surgery with that Newcastle run? You're yeah, happy. We, we, Obviously, the wind surgery, and uh, yeah, everything's, everything's gone to plan. Um, and uh, yeah, no, we're really happy with him. And um, Doyen Breed, after his second last time, is going to run in the, the the novices champion handicap chase over three. Yeah, it, 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 it looks very competitive with, with Newsart and, and, and Ruth Jefferson's horse, uh, but he's he's he, he deserves his chance. He's he's run some great races this year. He'll he'll love the ground. Um, you know, last last day at uh, Ascot, he, he you know he hated the ground and ran a great race to be to, to, to run as well as he did to be second. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to him. For, for a horse that sort of we didn't know he was going to jump a fence when we started to school him, you know, he's progressed really well. And, uh, yeah. Good luck to Sandy Thompson this weekend. Turning our attention to the flat now, trainer David Lochnane joins me. And David, you may well end up with a, a runner in each of the guineas. We'll, we'll start with the 1,000 guineas and, and the filly in the form of Hello You. How is she? How's she come on over the winter? She's in great form, yeah. She's um, done really well from two to three. Um, she had a nice winter break back in Ireland with Robson Aguero and the team and um, she's wintered really well um, she'll do her final bit of work today as a kind of her final bit of prep work before she heads for a guinea strong um, the obvious look we, at the moment we haven't actually decided which where we go yet between the Nelgwyn or the Dubai Duty Free Newbury um, we've obviously she was very impressive in the Rockfell over the same trip at Newmarket last year she was Point four in the second outside the track record, um, mm. so that that's probably the obvious choice for her. So, so it won't necessarily be, um, you know, ground which decides the two. I've seen a few comments saying, well, Newbury might just show up that little bit easier or can do surface wise, but it's it's not really that dictating your decision. 
Not at all, no. Look, she's won on she's won on the all weather, she's won on quick ground, she's well, run well on quick ground, she's run really well in Royal Ascot on very soft ground. So um, you know, she's very versatile Philly. I, I wouldn't be concerned ground in any in any sense at all, no. uh, what did you make of Del Mar? She probably the travelling and everything just took a little bit out of her. She was in fantastic form over there. We were really happy with her going into the race. She did lose a bit more weight than ideal on the slide over. Um, which Finney's, you know, Go Bears Go absolutely thrived from the journey over. It just probably took a little bit more out of her. Um, she jumped, she travelled into the race, she was everywhere I wanted her to be in the race, turned up for home. I thought it was, we were home and hosed, and mm. she just didn't let down in her normal fashion. Um, she arguably they probably went a bit quick down the back straight and she, she pulled up, you know, she was, she was a tired horse after the race. She had a long season. Um, and it was probably just one run too many last year. But look, she by no means disgraced herself. It was a very good fifth in, in a competitive race. And how do you feel about a mile for her this season? No concern, really. Um, as Ross always kind of is adamant by the day she won the Rockfell, she wasn't doing a tap in front, and then she was, you know, she hit the line strong when they did come back at her, and she took a fair bit of pulling up that day. I, I, I'd be fairly confident that mine would be right up her street. And she certainly seems to have matured mentally now as well. As we know, she kind of threw a few races away earlier in the year. We had to do a bit of work getting her to relax and settle and touch wood. She seems a, a mature horse now. I think mentally she's probably improved most of all. Um, and then, well, a curveball is probably unfair, but um, you know, a horse who I guess you haven't had for too long is King Max. And, and is the plan to, to go to the 2000 Guineas? Yeah, that's the plan at the moment. Um, look, he was very impressive at Kempton. I, I'm not sure there was a whole lot of depth in the race, but it was the manner he did it in. Um, he quickened away from them quite comfortably and put the race to bed. And he had a little look when he was in front, just out of a bit of greenness. Dave gave him a little flake and he quickened again. I found that very impressive that night. Um, he never turned a hair. He's sharpened up a lot from it. He's come on loads. Um, look, the, the plan at the moment is, is to target a guineas with him. Um, We've obviously got the Guineas trials, or possibly maybe the, the field and stakes the day after over a mile one at Newmarket. Um, he, he's got some very good back form as a two-year-old in those two races. He was second in. The form has worked out very well. And, um, look, he's got some nice entries, not just the Guineas. He's also entered in the pre-jockey club French Derby as well. So um, we'll, we'll go down the route of the Guineas trial or the field and stakes and... We'll make our decision from there whether we go guineas or we or we need to go a bit further. He has a Dante entry as well. So um, when he arrived was first, I thought he was more of a mile and a quarter horse. Um, when, when did he? I, I say I say you haven't had him too long. I mean, I, I'm sort of assuming that, but then I suppose he, you know, back in the last season, he, he didn't run, did he? How long have you had him? No, so he was just, I think, just needed a bit of time last year when he left Mr. Barrett. He went back to, to Ireland for a, a winter break and he wintered really well and grew and developed into a lovely horse. He came to us probably a month and a half, two months previous to Kempton. Um, so he's been with us a few months now. Um, he's, he's a pleasure to train. He's a he's a gorgeous looking horse and he, he does everything very well. He feels he feels like a proper horse. He feels like a stakes horse at home. Um, but he's a very exciting horse to have in the yard. Two Group Twos last year, and now potentially a, a runner in, in both Guineas. It's 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 going along quite nicely, David, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit surreal. Um, <laughs> but look, as as we've kind of said many times, we always felt we were good enough to be at this level if we got the horses to do that and, and to be able to prove ourselves. And uh, look, we're getting opportunities now. We're very grateful for those opportunities. And we're grabbing hold of them both hands.
Well, last night at Kempton, um, Gabe Callaway saw a, a lovely winner of the opening race, um, two-year-old Ocean Cloud, who um, yeah, I know, I know Gabe is with me now, is hoping to make it into a, a Queen Mary filly. And, and then um, that aside, you, you came back over to the, to the racing TV presentation area and, and said you wanted to talk about something else, which sort of really put everything in, into perspective. You're joining the Racing to Help Ukraine convoy on, on April the 10th. And one thing, Gabe, you, you were keen to point out that, that for you... You know, you're you're really struck by the animal cost of of this war, and that's the reason you're going. That's correct. Yeah, it's uh, you know, poor animals. You know, they they they've got caught up in all this, and you know, and and I noticed that a lot of you know elderly people were taking their cats with them and dogs, and you know, and some of them just let them out and let them loose, and worst is for horses that have been just let loose. And um, James Main, the vet, is coming over with us, and we've had we have a contact over. In Ukraine, where they set up a, a veterinary unit, and they need supplies, so that's the main reason why I'm going over there to take supplies. Fortunately, Rossdale's and that they have kindly donated medical supplies to us and to me, and also uh, various feed companies. My feed company, Dobson Horrell, they kindly donated a lot of feed for the horses, and you know. So basically, I would be carrying supplies mainly um, for, for for animals. I guess. You know, some people will see horse um, life cost, animal um, life cost as, as trivial in comparison to, to human life, and others will be will be particularly struck by it. I was particularly struck by your um, your emotion last night when when talking about that that side of things. Um, it, is it is it everything for sort of you know veterinary supplies, food supplies for animals that, that you're looking yeah. to take with you, and any donations are welcome. That's correct, you know, I mean, the reason why I train horses is because I genuinely love horses, you know, and I, I love animals and love being around animals, and I've always been surrounding myself. I've got four stray cats in the, in the stables. I, you know, I give them homes, I find homes, and I've got connections in Portugal as well where we find, you know, stray animals. So it's, it's my passion as well, you know, I, I, I try to do what I can, and, you know, they can't talk and they can't tell us animals, you know. Um, mm. Obviously, we, we if we have a chance, we, we've got empty empty lorries. We'll bring back um, people if we can refugees. Obviously, that's that, that's really important. But um, but like I said, we I, I, that, that's my, my that's what counts for me. And I'm taking you know I've so many people donated like Simon Crisford, uh, Jay Chapelham, trainers, and Smart Prescott, and they've all you know they're all donating or bringing stuff around. So it's great. You know, it's, it's a great how much. The racing community have um, gathered together and rallied around to, to, to help. You know, wonderful. Um, Gay, sort of animal, animal wise. What what are you? What have you heard about the the scene at the, the Polish border? And what are you expecting to find there? Or, or do you not really know? Are you not really prepared? Um, I kind of like. Uh, there's a lot of strains. Um, yeah, you know, it's just not, it's just not me passionate about. There are great people out there and. Unfortunately, um, there was a show jumping um, um, stable that was bombed, and most of the horses were killed there. So, you know, it's terrible. And um, they are collecting, you know, like horses around the place, and you know, uh, and dogs, cats, and even zoo animals. Um, apparently, mm. they're, they're picking up. So, um, hopefully, we'll be able to bring them across, you know, from borders Poland and drop them off in different places on the way back. Because we will have obviously taken lots of stuff over there, but we, like you said, we take people back or drop animals on the way back. Um, it's, it's very difficult because of um, 
diseases that to get them back into the UK. You can understand, you know, much I like to bring about uh, a lot of animals back, but obviously, it's, you know, you've got all that that side of it. It's a bit tricky, so. Yeah, I don't know really what to expect, but you know, it's only obviously a couple of friends of mine have been over there and they go in different areas, but we're going right near here, and uh, which is where all the problems have been. So, you know, it's a big place, Ukraine. So, so we can do the best we can. Um, Charlie, Charlie Mann's been brilliant. He's, he's so dynamic and he gets on and does stuff. That's what I love about him. I've known him for many years and he's a great guy. So this is um, the, the website is racing to help Ukraine.uk and and you know as, as far as financial donations, veterinary donations, food donations, really anything that can help. You know you have the yeah. the wherewithal or, or the team have the wherewithal to take a lot of supplies over there. Yes, yeah, we have. We obviously we have got great big. Uh, we've got six box lorries. And I'm, I've got a two box lorry. Um, I can stack up, and um, obviously donations appreciated because it's going to cost us about two and a half thousand in diesel alone to get over there and they got to count for the tolls and the ferry and um you know obviously jim holsworth's been helpful with the um the insurance um he runs in hyperion insurance bloodstock insurance so you know they, they, everybody's sort of like i say in racing it's a wonderful community you know we live, might live in a bit of a bubble but when it comes fully together we're great you know and we are really fully together um Gay, okay, great stuff. Wish wish you all the best with it, and um, thanks, and thanks for the update. Great, thank you very much. Rightly, all that is required from you, sir, is a a tip, probably a winning one. Well, you're asking for a lot there, Tom. A winning tip, but I'm going to try and suggest to uh, listeners that they look to Warwick this afternoon, the 3:15, the Lewis Badges Limited Handicap Chase. It's a two mile, a twenty grand pot as well. We've got two non-runners, so only four go as I speak now. One of those is an odds-on favourite, Prince Aeschylus, but I wouldn't be tipping your list as an odds-on favourite, Tom. Instead, I'm tipping them cars at all in the same race, trained by John, uh, Tom George, ridden by Johnny Burke, of course, had that first Cheltenham Festival winner uh, a few weeks ago, and I wonder if cars at all can bounce back from a fall uh, in his last race in the 3.15 at Warwick this afternoon. Lee, thanks ever so much. Uh, thanks to everyone at home for, for listening. Nick will return to you tomorrow. Please do um, rate us. Uh, a five-star review is very, very welcome, whatever your um, preferred podcast app is. And give us a, a subscribe as well, so it makes it each, easier for you to listen each and every day. Bye-bye from me. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.